Ignacio. I'm excited to be with you guys today. Hey, we're going to be digging into Psalm 103, so please get out your Bibles, open your phone apps, whatever you got. I would love it if you guys would read through this with me. Uh, we've already covered a few verses to this point, so you can look at some podcasts um, and listen to some podcasts to, to kind of catch up to that. But um, basically what we've covered so far is that David is talking to himself in this chapter. And he is trying to remind himself, the first five verses, he's talking to himself on an individual level. He's trying to remind himself of what God has done. He's saying, forget not his benefits. Um, David didn't really mentally forget like who God was. But sometimes we're tempted to live in ways where we are, are the way our lives are going are not reflecting uh, who God is and his truth and what he's done for us. Um, and so he is reminding himself to remember what, who God is and what he's done uh, so that his life can then reflect praise and gratitude and live in obedience uh, of God. And here's why that matters. Even for me, just getting ready for this talk uh, has been a little bit stressful. I'm, I'm in a little bit of a stressful season myself. Nothing crazy has happened, but I've been a little stressed preparing for this. Um, I'm trying to help. Uh, operate a small business during a pandemic, which is pretty crazy. Uh, I'm also trying to help lead an MC, which over half of us have been sick and in quarantine for a couple weeks now. Uh, I have two young kids at home that I'm trying to raise, and I have a wife who's eight months pregnant and we're trying to prepare for another baby. So none of these are like major catastrophes, but even all these things add up in my life and I start to feel stressed. Uh, things start to rise to the surface. I start to feel anxious. Uh, sometimes angry, discouragement, fear. Um, and so why this matters is this psalm speaks to who God is and wants us to remind us of the reality of who God is and what he's done. That way, no matter what we are facing, no matter what we're feeling, we know who he is and what he's done doesn't change. And so as a result, if you're feeling like anything like me in this season, like I hope that this is good news for you guys, and I hope after reading this, no matter what you're facing, that you can hear this good news and that can actually result in praise. Um, so we're going to pick up where we left off. We're going to start in verse 8. It says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Man, if I could pick uh, one verse in the Bible that describes my parenting, this would probably not be it, unfortunately. But something to strive for. God help me. Um, but guys, this is who God is. He's proven this to people time and time again. He's not like other false gods that give these impossible, brutal demands that doesn't give anything back, that can never be met or satisfied. But the Lord, Yahweh, the God of Israel, is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. Verse 9, He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Guys, he's not trying to trap us. He's not trying to prosecute us. Nor will he harbor his anger. He's not holding on to grudges. He's not trying to remember all of the wrong and the bad that we've done. He's not trying to hold his anger against us. Verse 10. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. David uses 
three different words here to kind of describe falling short. He used sins, which is falling short of the glory of God. It's missing the mark. He uses iniquities, which is downright like rebellion, like premeditated sin. Like I know what I'm doing and I'm going to go ahead and do it anyways. And he also uses transgressions, which is like a betrayal of relationship. Like ultimately we have betrayed God. And he uses our, he's no longer just talking about himself, but he's, he's talking to the nation of Israel to say, hey, as God's people, guys, we have fallen short. And I believe he uses these three words because he wants to show how big of a complete mess that we are in. And guys, honestly, I think we're in a bigger mess than we realize. Um, so a few years ago, um, my wife and I, we lived in Thailand for a few years um, the first few weeks of being in the country, we were getting adjusted to the culture and trying to learn language and just a lot of new things. And um, one day I'm riding along and I'm on my little motorbike and there's a tree branch in the road. And I swerve, uh, kind of dodge it so that I'm not hitting it. I'm like, man, well, that was close. And I see another one in the road. And so I swerve and, and move out of that one. And then a little bit further ahead, I see two cars and they've gotten in an accident. And so I, I kind of pull over, park my bike and get out, make sure is everyone okay, look like everyone was okay. Uh, and so I'm like, well, no wonder they got in an accident. It's because there's these tree branches in the road. So they're probably swerving, trying to move out of the way and they ended up hitting each other. And so in my eyes, I'm like, hey, God, thank you for, for having this opportunity now that I can help these people. Um, so I did the right thing. I went and I took the tree branches, I was trying to dodge traffic as it's still coming by, and I took the tree branches and threw them to the side of the road. Uh, everyone was okay, so I decided to get on my motorbike and, and drive off. And trying to not be too prideful, but really inside I'm thinking, man, how many lives do you think I just saved? Like, God, thank you. I've only been in this country for a few weeks, and you're already using me to make an impact. So thank you. And just wondering if anyone's going to come up and ask me, uh, why would you do something like that? So weeks go on, and as we're getting adjusted to our new country, um, I started to notice something. I would see more accidents in the road, uh, but just before those accidents, I would see tree branches. I was like, huh, that's interesting. And it turns out that they would use these tree branches kind of as their traffic cones or their flares. And so here I am being prideful about thinking that I'm doing this great thing for these people and helping them. But what I was really doing was actually putting people in danger. That's the equivalent of if someone had set up cones for an accident, I'm coming, I'm taking the cones and I'm chucking them off to the side of the road. And I had no idea, guys, how far I was missing the mark on that. Uh, and to be honest, guys, I feel like as God's people, we have no idea sometimes how badly we're missing the mark. And that's what David is kind of describing here, that we have missed the mark. We have fallen short, not only in things that we've done in outright rebellion against God, but some of it might just be in a failure to live and do the things that God wants us to do. So guys, not to get too depressing here, but I do feel like the bad news isn't as bad as we thought. We're not in as bad of a situation as we thought. It's actually worse. But the good news is I do believe that God is actually greater and better than we might think that he is. Um, he does not push us away from our mess. 
you can see again in verse 12, so far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. He doesn't push us away in our mess, guys. He continues to pursue us. He showed this back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve intentionally disobeyed God and they rebelled against God and they were tricked and they bought into a lie. As they're hiding in shame, he pursues them. Ask, where are you? Not only that, but he makes a way. He sacrifices an animal to provide for them so they don't have to hide in their sin and shame. David is talking to people in Israel here who are living in a covenant with God. Those people continued to make mistakes. Those people continued to fail God. But God continued to dwell with these people. Fast forward, even as these people continue to fail and rebel again and again, God then sends Jesus, being fully man and fully God, to come to live, to walk, and to show an even clearer image of who he was and to more clearly reveal the heart of our Father. Not only that, but then he comes and he takes a punishment for our sin once and for all by dying on the cross. And then by raising from the grave, uh, he is showing that he has the power to conquer sin and death and that he did that once and for all. This is God revealing himself to us. Take it a step further. Jesus wanted to show us even how we should live when he walked. Um, and when he, before he ascended to heaven, to the very disciples, some of them who abandoned and denied him before he was crucified on that cross, he then says, you are going to be my church. I'm going to send you out into the world. Oh, and guess what? I'm going to empower you with my spirit to be able to help you to live this life, this life to the full that I have shown you. Guys, God does not push us away in our mess. We are in a complete mess, but he doesn't push us away. Um, I have a two-year-old son. Uh, his name is Maddox. And every time, man, when I smell that dirty diaper, I'm just like, Maddox, do you have poo-poos? And what do you think he says? No, right? And he runs and he hides. and He doesn't want his diaper changed. And I don't know what he's scared of. I don't know if he's afraid that, hey, because he, have, he has diapers, like I'm going to shame him or he's in trouble or what. But what I want him to understand is, Maddox, I want you to come to me because you're in a mess and I want to help you clean it up. I want to help make you new. I want to help change you. Guys, and that is God's heart to us in this. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. He doesn't repay us our iniquities. And so far as the East is from the West, He has removed transgressions from us. He wants us to come to Him so He can make us new. And what does He want from us? What does He want from us in this then? Uh, go back to verse 11. So great is his love for those who fear him. He wants us to fear him. And this fear isn't being afraid. It's not being scared of God. But it's actually like a utmost reverence and respect to say, God, you are the one I care about. And I want to put my hope and my trust in you alone. So when we do this, we're not putting trust and hope in our careers I'm not going to put my hope and fear and trust in finances. I'm not going to do it in family and friends and what people think. I'm not going to do it in my own performance and how many good actions that I can do. God, I want to put my fear and trust in you alone. That is what he wants. Let's keep going. Verse 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Guys, God is a good dad. 
He has compassion on his kids. He's not a distant God who's just waiting and watching from afar, waiting for us to mess up so he can come and bring down the hammer. He is a good dad who has compassion on those who fear him. Um, when I was 18, I was a freshman in college. I was uh, living away from home, same city, um, driving my parents' car. Um, uh, and one day, I'm driving on a freeway, and I tended to maybe drive a little bit fast back then, faster than I should. Uh, I remember seeing a police car up on the side of the freeway. He had his lights on, so I saw him. Uh, and so as I'm passing him, I'm like, oh, I should probably make sure I'm not going super fast. And so I looked down at my speedometer, and I saw I was going way too fast. And so I kind of slam on my brakes, uh, and then I continue driving on. I'm kind of doing the review mirror check thing, like, okay, is he following me? Is he pulling out? Sure enough, I see this, this, the cop car pulling out. And so, like the wise young man that I was uh, back in that day, uh, I decided, hey, if I can maybe weave in and out and get around and behind some other cars, maybe he's just going to say, ah, oh, it's not worth it, and, and he won't pull me over. Uh, turns out that did not work, so I do not recommend that. But sure enough, he comes up right up on me, pulls me over, comes up next to the car, and he tells me to get out of the car. I'm like, what? Uh, so he gets me out of the car, turns me around, and handcuffs me. Um, and then he throws me in the back of his cop car. And he says, do you, not, do you realize that I could throw you in jail right now for criminal speeding? Um, so as things couldn't get humiliating enough, I'm in the back of this cop car. I'm handcuffed. I'm feeling awful and scared and whatever else. Um, he then asked me for my mom's phone number. So he calls my mom to let her know what her son had been doing. So my mom's crying on the phone, and I'm just like, oh, man. I was so scared of what the cops were going to do. Uh, at that time, I, I didn't want to go to jail. I didn't want to go to prison. But to be honest, uh, even more so, I was scared of my parents um, and what they were going to do and what they were going to say. And I'm, I'm driving their car. Um, so long story short, he ends up letting me off with a regular speeding ticket. Um, but I didn't really feel great because I still had to deal with mom and dad. So a couple days later, within a couple days, my dad reaches out to me and says, hey, we need to talk. Um, so we meet up. I still remember we meet up at an Arby's. Um, we show up, super awkward. Uh, not much was being said. Uh, there was no eye contact being made from my part. We order our food. We sit down at the table. Um, and my dad says, Mike, and I'm just bracing myself because I know here comes the tongue lashing and just the, the hammer. And I deserved it, but I was still bracing myself. My dad looks at me and says, Mike, are you okay? I'm concerned for you. Guys, even in my dumb mistakes, even in my sin, even in my stupidity, my dad had compassion on me because I was his child. I was still his child, even in my stupidity. Guys, even in our stupidity, even in our sin, guys, God has compassion for us if we're his children. He has compassion. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Even in our dumb sin, we're still his children, and he has compassion on us. And who does he have compassion on? He has compassion on those who fear him on those who put their trust and their hope in them. Jesus even gave this picture too. Again, Jesus being 
a clear image and picture of God for his people to follow, to say this is who God is, this is what God is like. Luke 15, he has the story of the prodigal son, where the son goes and basically says to his dad, hey, I wish you were dead, give me my inheritance. He goes, he squanders all his wealth, and then when he comes back and, and just wants to, finally humbles himself to his dad and says, hey, just take me back as a, as a servant. His dad saw him from afar away and had compassion and ran off the porch to him and embraced him. Guys, this is God's heart towards us. This is the Father's heart towards us. And I hope you hear this and know this good news. Let's keep going. Uh, verse 14, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and is gone, and its place remembers it no more. Guys, he knows what we're capable of. He knows what we're made of. And I feel like this section, even just talking about how mortal we are, how we're kind of here and the wind blows over it and we're gone, I think this is even remind us of our place in the story. God loves us and he values us and we are important. However, he is still the hero of the story. It's not up to us. We are just a tiny speck on a long, uh, eternal spectrum. We are just one tiny piece of this. And so this just reminds us, I think, of our place in the story, that, that God is the hero, and we are loved, and we are known by God. And so, and also, he doesn't, he doesn't get angry like, to the one and two-year-old, he's not going to expect them to change their own diaper. So he knows what to expect from us, but he also loves us enough to push us, push our mess away from us. Let's keep going. Verse 19. I'm sorry, verse 17. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children. Guys, there's lots of things that are uncertain in this life, but God's love is certain. His love is with those who fear him. And his righteousness with their children's children, I don't know everything that that means, but all I know is that the way that we live, the way that we love, the way that we teach and pour into others and into our kids, it is going to impact and is going to have an effect on future generations. So, Guys, how we view God matters. David is recalling these things and wants us to be reminded of this reality that no matter what we're facing, no matter what season that we're in, these truths about God in this entire chapter matter. He is a compassionate and loving Father and He sees us and He loves us. And then what does He want us to do? He wants us to fear Him, right? He wants us to put our trust and our hope in Him. In verse 18, his love, he's talking about his love, again, is, is with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. He also wants us to obey him. He's called us to love him. He's called us to love others. Out of what he's given us, out of what he has done for us, he now wants us to be a part of his mission. We're still a part of his story. We're not insignificant. We're not saved from something. We're not saved just to sit and then wait for Jesus to return, but we are actually saved for something to now be a part of his building, his kingdom, his mission on making all things new, on bringing all creation to himself. He wants to use us in that. But first and foremost, we can't be used 
by God. We can't love others well. We can't keep his commands and his covenants until first we receive and know and understand this good news. So, what are the implications of this? We don't have to fear failure, guys, because we fear him and he loves us. We don't have to fear financial meltdown because we fear him and he loves us. We don't have to fear what other people think of us because we fear him and he loves us. Guys, we don't have to fear even death itself because we fear him. He is the one who is everlasting. He is the one who has conquered sin and death. He is the one who is making all things new and he loves us. So my hope in this chapter, in Psalm 103, guys, is that we can understand God's love and faithfulness, that we can better understand who he is and what he's done, and that we can remind ourselves of that. And as we remind ourselves of that, no matter what season we're in, no matter what we're facing, that this will then first and foremost result in praise, that we will want to praise God, that we will want to have hearts of gratitude for God and what he's done. But then secondly, that that would also result in us putting our fear and trust and hope, not in other things that we so easily do and that I so easily do, but that we can put our trust and fear and hope in God. And that would fuel our love for him and our love for others. So I want to send you guys out um, with the benediction. Uh, It's something that we do to say, hey, we come and we're refreshed and we receive the good news, but we don't receive it just to hold it in and just to keep it in ourselves. But now we go and we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And we want to proclaim this both through word and deed to others and be a part of his kingdom and be a part of his story and his mission and be a part of holding him up as the hero. So guys, uh, please put out your hands and receive this benediction. We're just going to read the rest of the chapter. The Lord, verse 19, The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you His angels, you mighty ones who do His bidding, who obey His word. Praise the Lord, all His heavenly hosts, you His servants who do His will. Praise the Lord, all His works, everywhere in His dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Love you guys. Have a great week.